0: Welcome to Two D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat William and Mary sixty-two to seventeen. Robbie, how you feeling?
1: I feel uh, great. I, I mean, what a great game! But it was a little sad that it got a little rainy at the end, and uh, but it cleared up pretty quickly. So for everybody that traveled to the game and enjoyed it, I'm glad they had a fun time and a big win, and. Um, yeah, you know, we didn't have the letdown spot, so uh, I think uh, I think that was great.
0: Yeah, man, it was it was sweet to put William and Mary down like that. That's for sure. Why don't you give us a cheers? Well, let's um, let's do a, a cheers as of hope for
1: everybody sitting on the East Coast right now. Um, you know, obviously, uh, flow uh, is coming in, and we got to make sure that everybody's safe and in in a good place. So. Um, you know, it's not a cheers as much as a hope for everybody to be, you know, safe over there. I know a bunch of people are evacuating from their homes and things like that. So let's leave it out there that um, we hope everybody either gets out safely or is is, is safe through the uh, the storm that's coming in and the hurricane because it um, it looks to be pretty scary. So let's just um, let's do a cheers for everybody to stay healthy and everybody be good.
0: Here, here. Well, let's fire up the news and notes, man. AP poll is out. Virginia Tech is number 13. We actually moved back a spot after that beat down. And we are 11th in the coaches poll. So we moved up a couple spots in that one, but I don't really care about the coaches poll too much. The other notable rankings in the AP poll were Notre Dame at eight after their dismal performance against Ball State. Miami moved up a spot to 21. And if you want to go into their receiving votes, BC is number 28. Hey, listen, they're moving. I, I think uh, well, A.J. Dillon looks good, man. Yeah, he really does. Six carries for 149 yards last week. It was against Holy Cross, but that could be against my high school. If you get <laughs> 149 yards on six carries, 25 yards per carry, uh, you deserve some credit. That That's amazing. The big news item that we need to talk about is unfortunately – Due to the hurricane coming in, the ECU game has been canceled. I think we were trying to work it out. Wit initially said Monday that an announcement was coming on Wednesday, and ECU, uh, they decided not to travel, and they informed us that they would not be coming to Blacksburg. I think we tried everything in terms of putting them up and uh, making sure everyone was safe in terms of travel, but it just wasn't going to work out.
1: Yeah, that they it was a little unfortunate, I think, is probably the best I can put it that it was it seemed to be and I think this'll come out because it's it's gotten so much press that it was a bit of a unilateral decision. Like I, I think if they I wish I was behind the scenes on the V T side or the ECU side to know what really happened or how this all played out. Like I, I I would find it very suspicious if Virginia Tech was like pressuring you know, uh, uh, um, an organization that was having this bearing down on them to wait one more day. But in in, in the same respect, I think that, you know, waiting one more day might have been more beneficial because then both, you know, both organizations could have come out and said, you know, we've decided, you know, for the benefit of getting these players where they need to be and making sure they're safe. And Virginia is the same way that, you know, people are in the right place that we can make sure, you know, a collective, I think, um, decision would have been um better than the way that it just kind of seemed to just pop up on the radar like all of a sudden ecu just put it on their website and it was like yep we're done
0: yeah and now there's the talk of are they in breach of contract for the series and people say "Ah, just cancel the series if they're not going to come and i think that all that stuff's a little bit overblown but i agree if ecu had decided to just wait or, and talk to Wit, which they probably could have just come to this agreement mutually. I don't think we were necessarily putting too much pressure on them, but I don't know. And I understand it from ECU's side. It That area is directly in the path as of right now. And regardless of if the hurricane hits a little bit north or a little bit south or whatever, Greenville is probably going to take a pretty big hit. And even if the players and the coaches could get out safely to Blacksburg and play the game, where would their minds be? So I understand canceling it. I really do. Yeah. Like, like you said, I just wish everyone had just waited one more day to make the announcement and ECU and tech could have mutually come to this decision.
1: Or they just pushed it forward and they reached out to Witt and said, Hey, we need to make the decision now. And then uh, if, if Witt wouldn't have made the decision today at the same time, I would be blown away the way that he treats PR and making sure that everything is like, you know, above board. Um, I think he was just, he, honestly, um, knowing him um, from like all of his press releases, I, like everything that he puts out is very making sure that he's doing things the right way. I would be blown away that if ECU called the Virginia Tech program today and said, "Hey, we need to cancel this game. We got to take care of our students. We got to make sure that they're safe. They're, t- you know, concerned about their family." That Witt would have been like, "No, nah, let's wait one more day." That that there like. If that actually did happen, I would be absolutely mind-blown and very concerned about the program just in general, and the fact that it's blown up into what it has because of, one, an innocuous tweet from Wit that he's since, it seems, had to have deleted, even though it wasn't a bad tweet at all, and then a dumb tweet from the VT football program um, you know, that wasn't worded the right way, and it's almost readily apparent that it was a pre-scheduled tweet that should have been deleted and shouldn't have been scheduled to go out at the same time. Yeah, it all just blew up. And on the flip side of that, to say that like, and I I put it out on Twitter, to say that like, oh, Virginia Tech doesn't care about ECU. They don't care about hurricane victims. They don't care just piss off. Like, like really that's where you're going to take the narrative to like, that's the real point of this whole conversation. I'm done with it. You know, I, I think people are wrong on both sides. I think that blowing it up because you know, journalists don't have enough to talk about on a day-to-day basis and they want to put out stuff is BS as well. Um, let's just move on. Like the game's canceled. Let's just move on. People are
0: mad because there's not football to watch plain and simple and they're, trying to find reasons to get upset and listen, the football game got canceled because of a hurricane. Let's not make it into too big a deal here.
1: (laughs) Or it is a big deal. Let's not make football into too big of a deal. Then we can just all agree with that as well. I mean, that's, that's equally the right decision as well. It's just turning it into a narrative story about whether you care about people or don't care about people is completely wrong and it is is fundamentally just a narrative that all you're trying to do it's a clickbait narrative and it's bullshit like you can be mad about the way that things kind of transpired but to like paint the VT fan base as not caring about of oh, the the Greenville victims and what could happen and that that's just fundamentally wrong and I'm not going to like agree with that it's not it's not a correct statement and it's it's basically people just
0: getting trying to get clicks on twitter that's all it is Well, in terms of the football benefits, we get a bye week here in week three, allowing more time to prepare for our future opponents, including Duke and Notre Dame, which are coming up very soon, and we get some more time to get healthy. I also tweeted out that by not playing ECU, our strength of schedule will improve. Now, that's based on the idea that ECU won't have a very good season, and they did just beat UNC, so maybe whatever i still don't think that adding ecu's record at the end of the year will improve our sos
1: yeah i mean i think you know the the improvement i think week over week for them was actually pretty dramatic you can say what you will about unc but I, 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 you know i was encouraged to see them have that much improvement and uh, maybe unc just played even worse i have no yeah. clue it, it was tough to tell from the game but um
0: I don't know. They looked better. It'll It'll be interesting to see how that defense for ECU plays because we talked about it many times in the offseason of how bad it was and how you know the target symbol of their defensive efficiency on the S&P Plus was just a pinpoint. They only gave up 19 points to UNC, none in the second half, I don't believe. And they lost it nca and t in the first week which looks really bad but they're a solid fcs team and like going into the season people were calling that upset that nca and t is not a bad team but again the defense for ecu wasn't necessarily the problem in that game their offense couldn't get going so maybe the defensive coordinator that came over from app state is helping out ecu and they will have a better season this year which we can only hope that program gets a little bit better uh, since we have to play them, at least for right now, for the next few years. I think the drawbacks just really come into, like, we don't get to watch our team play. There's only 12 regular season games a year. We look forward to these. You were supposed to go to the game, and now you can't, obviously. like That's a bummer. Uh, we don't get the player in-game development. I mean, they can still practice this week and all that kind of stuff, but you, there's nothing like developing with the games, and so that's a that's a blow. And, of course, we don't get the better chance at a nine or ten win season i'm not saying that we would have necessarily won nine or ten wins but if you're taking out ecu you're probably counting that as one of the wins
1: (laughs) yeah i think um you know i'm obviously disappointed It was going to be my first game of the year i have new seats and i was really excited to use them and go see the game and see the team kind of live in person um and then just get back to blacksburg you know and you know weather you know prohibited that so you can't really do much of it um taking it to the on the field and the schedule, um, that game can matter. And and what I talk about is you and I. You know we don't give into, but we often talk about what the national narrative is of programs because it's true, right? Like the narrative that builds over years creates programs. I mean that's um, it can be performance, but look at Oregon, you know, performance has not dictated. Yeah. They made it very far in a few seasons, but performance hasn't necessarily been the narrative, but Oregon is now, you know, the talking point almost in any podcast or anything you go to. And, um, your season wins have an impact on that, right? Like, well, Fuente, they say he had a nine win and a 10 win season. That's what they say. So one game, um, that can change you an eight win season, doesn't really raise a lot of eyebrows and if you've listened to a lot of podcasts or national media or narrative of what you hear about programs nobody's saying hey well he had three eight win you know <laughs> seasons in a row usually the 9 10 11 is where you start to actually kind of create that cusp of oh man what's this program doing so um, it makes it a little bit more challenging assuming the game doesn't get rescheduled which it's not. Um, it won't we don't there's no way it can i don't think that's possible unless we we schedule another team right um, it makes it tougher to get to that that threshold because 2 years from now nobody's going to be looking back thinking oh one game got canceled they're going to look at the win total that's it that's the way it always goes
0: it's true and i was thinking the same thing i predicted on our season preview podcast that we'd go 8 and 4 so now is my prediction Seven and four like yes, that, it has to that be. sounds like a bad sounds like a bad season, you know, but that's not uh, a
1: joke. My prediction is no longer like I had a I went up to nine wins. yeah, my wins, one of those
0: I counted default was ECU. Of course, so really of it's yeah. eight wins now um, um and you know, we did beat FSU, which maybe both of us were factoring that in as one of the losses. Uh, we don't really necessarily specifically say our losses you I think you might have gotten a little bit more specific, but we knew there'd be like a bonehead game in there, and we knew Notre Dame, Florida State, and Miami were really, really tough games, mm-hmm. so I don't know, I don't know where my prediction stands now, and saying that we're gonna have a seven and four season that that just sounds crappy, so I'm hoping that we at least get to the eight win mark during the regular season, and that would mean eight and three, yeah. And listen I I didn't I wasn't planning
1: on adjusting and I didn't adjust at all after the Florida State win. I kept it like at the same place because I thought that that, would, that provided me buffer room in what my projection was. Like maybe now we can have two bone to head games. So to now have a the, the the cancellation of a game, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like I've never had to deal with that in terms of projecting what the season's going to look like, but I was happy because I'm the nine and three that I had projected made more sense after getting that FSU win. I was like, Oh man, I got buffer. We can do this. And I don't know how to handle a cancellation.
0: What might help those projections is the fact that the coastal took it on the chin last week and might not be a very good division. We already thought it might not be that good, but you had Georgia tech losing to South Florida. You had UVA losing to Indiana which they covered, uh, but they didn't pull off the win. Uh, Penn State just thrashed Pittsburgh. And then there was one more, I think. Um, oh, yeah, UNC lost to East Carolina. <laughs> so yes. that's that doesn't bode well for the Coastals' prospects. And if you want to go back to that strength of schedule thing, I, I don't know. I, I feel better about playing all of those teams. I'm still scared about Duke. And B.C., and those teams happen to look very good because Duke beat Northwestern, and B.C. just ran it up over a team they should in Holy Cross. But uh, this week, when B.C. goes to Wake uh, and Duke goes to Baylor, we might learn a little bit more, and we'll talk about those games in our picks. Do you want to go over this William & Mary game? There were some good things that happened.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, scoring points worked out pretty well for us, so... um... We didn't,
0: we didn't fall victim
1: to any of our, um, our, a JMU game from what, 2011. No,
0: no. those fears were not, were not met. So that was nice. We started the game just like FSU, getting multiple chunk plays and moving down the field. And on that first drive, we had like back-to-back fumbles, one by us, one by William Mary. And then we scored on the six yard run by Peoples. Those fumbles just kind of advanced the ball down the field for us <laughs> in the beginning of the game. We got a field goal on the next drive, made it ten nothing. Followed that up with a deep touchdown to Hazelton, which was particularly pretty, thirty nine yards. The next drive was the rugby scrum touchdown by Jackson, where the entire O line and Keen shoved him into the end zone. I was really just scared Jackson was going to get hurt on that play. Yeah, that that they, he
1: was stood up for a while on that one, and uh, I think um, you know there was a lot of contribution there, but I think uh, there was a couple just particular linemen that really just pushed over the entire William and Mary uh, defensive
0: line. Yeah, DeAndre Plant was in on that one, and he was, one, a key factor in pushing Jackson in, but two, super pumped after the touchdown. Like, he was the first one in Jackson's face. That made it 24 to nothing. William and Mary finally put up a score on the run by Evans after the long play down the sideline to Muse. We answered with an 11-play, 81-yard drive and ended with another people's touchdown. That made it 31 to 7. Ryan Willis came in at QB, and we scored one more TD before the half, and that one was by McLeese. 38-7 at the half. Josh came back in in the third quarter for one more drive uh, after the gains forced fumble on Evans. We're going to we talk about right that. F- yeah. I, w- I mean, we can get into that a little bit later. It was weird to see your starter come in after the backup comes in. Yeah.
1: We'll we'll hit that in a little bit because I, that probably pops into everybody's ears and says,
0: what? What happened? <laughs> We went right down the field again uh, after, I guess, Willis came back in. I'm not sure. Wheatley punched it in, made it 45-7. to William and Mary scored 10 more points due to some blowing assignments and poor tackling. We scored 17 more points thanks to rushing TDs by both backup quarterbacks. Hooker's 69-yard run was really cool. And the game ended 62-17. to Your reaction, Robbie?
1: Uh, My reaction is the offense overall was amazing, I think. And my overall reaction is I thought William and Mary made a lot of good plays in the points that they scored, right? Like, you know, we want to – we always go into these games and we say, you know, we want to shut out, right? That's the goal, a shutout or seven or less points. I thought they made some good passes. I thought that some of their runs that they had um, were, were pretty good. I'm not that upset about the points that they put on the board. I'm actually probably more excited that um, about what we attempted to do in offense and what we attempted to do, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, to practice what we could do in a, in a game. And we did it in the mm-hmm. run game, and um, it showed up in <laughs> – uh, passing touchdowns versus, uh, rushing touchdowns. I would put it that way.
0: Yeah. We always want to just knock our own players and Hey, they missed the tackle. They blew the assignment, but Deadman and Evans, they're decent players. And I thought Mitchell, he played pretty solid considering what he was up against. So, uh, we'll give William and Mary a little bit of credit there, but ultimately a convincing victory. The offense really did look like it should against a bad Wayman Mary defense. 586 yards, 305 on the ground, 6.6 yards per carry, which will really help our average when it comes to the end of the season get over that 4 yards per carry mark, and 7 rushing touchdowns. It's just the third time since 2010 with 300 yards rushing. I got that one from Andy Bitter, which, man, that just shows you how bad the rush game's been. Just three times in eight years that we've gone over 300 we've played a lot of bad teams you should be able to do that more than three times
1: yeah but we um, always seem to kind of go to the air against the bad team in i'm not saying a historic or, or the way that we play but in recent years yeah we always seem to kind of go to the air and i i i don't know about you but i was personally um found it refreshing the fact that we went to the ground like we're gonna figure out the ground game. Like this is part of Fuentes' offense. This is what he is. He in fun, fundamentally instills in. And we've also struggled a little bit. We're gonna take this opportunity to try and iron out some of those problems. And we didn't just do it with one running back. I mean, if you look at the stats, yeah. I mean, how many people touch the ball? Um, so I, I don't. I think of that as kind of. Not necessarily a positive, I wouldn't go there, but I would say that we took it as an opportunity to try and fix the ground game a little bit. And the offensive line really, really played well.
0: I think the emphasis on the running game really started to take place the last like three games of last season. And particularly in the bowl game, they came out and they wanted to run the ball on Oklahoma State, and they were very successful in that game. And it's carried over so far. They, they are If it's not efficient all the time, they're at least... You know, sticking to it. And we talked about with Andy Bitter how much we went to the run last year even when it wasn't successful. We still had one of the most amount of carries in the ACC. Josh Jackson was pretty sharp in this game. 12 of 16, 217 yards, one touchdown, and 21 yards rushing. And that was in limited duty. He was able to put up those numbers. A 210 quarterback rating and a 92.5 QBR, the highest of his career, what do you think the second highest was, Robbie,
1: of his career? Yeah, um, it would have been ECU.
0: That was actually third. No second, way. What? Yeah, yeah. WVU was the highest. Yeah. I have he I inflate- have so many
1: stats in front of me that I can I because I know every <laughs> his passing completion percentage like in every game and yards per play and but I don't have TDs right next to it or and. So efficiency and the difference
0: with that stat too is it's adjusted for the opponent. So while Josh absolutely balled out and statistically was better against ECU, uh, I you know the running was taken into account. He had a big run that game, and the opponent was taken into account. WV was our best win last year, so seventeen point six yards per completion in the game, twelve point two per attempt as a team. It was it was really nice to watch us be able to move the ball on the ground and through the air as efficiently as we did. 8.5 yards per play overall. That is very sweet. It's very close to a first down on every single play. And we scored touchdowns on five of our first seven drives starting the game.
1: That's um, impressive, to say the least. But I think it comes down to just if we can get um... – I don't know the best way to put this is is that if we can get the talent within the the organization to grow up into like a, a, a bigger life, we played William and Mary, right? Let let's be honest, but that type of offense I think is what Fuente wants to like just instill here is you're going to really have a tough time stopping us. Like we're going to ground and pound and be on the ground and we're going to throw out a jet sweep. And then we're going to go inside and we're going to, then we're going to throw a long bomb over the top. His variety. Um, and it comes back to the Athlon sports preview mag where I remember one of the, they do the independent coaches, um, you know, segment. And it's like, he dictates what you want to like, see, like he dictates what they're going to do And I think he does that through all the different facets of of the offense. So I love it. I love that he's kind of getting everything ready. Um, It's chess pieces that he's getting ready for the Notre Dame game, in my mind. like He's trying to get it all ready so he can come out there and not know what you're going to see and be able to put it out on the field. I'm actually pretty excited about what I've seen so far.
0: I thought Hazleton and Wheatley really jumped out. During the game, if I had to pick just two players on offense, those would be the two I'd picked. I love the way Wheatley has looked so far. He he just gives our running game just a little bit of a different dynamic, and they've been putting him in good positions. I'm not saying, you know, he's clearly the best running back on the team or anything because he's been running like jet sweeps and a little bit of different things. But man, he has looked good. He's got kind of that like gliding style, like he shuffles his feet a little bit. Uh, kind of like Sean Alexander used to do. He might have a shoulder injury. I saw him kind of like hanging his shoulder after one of the runs last week, and I, I read somewhere it kind of looked like he was favoring his shoulder. Hopefully he's fine, and he does have an extra week to get ready for the next game. So we hope everyone's healthy there. And Hazleton looks like he's living up to the hype we put on him before the season.
1: Yeah, I we have... This game was uh, so much fun, and I had so much fun watching it because you have... McLeese running what he kind of runs, which is a little bit on the outside, but more speed. You have Wheatley running a little bit more jet stuff on, on the outside. You have peoples still running at bowling ball up the, up the center. And those three on the running back position, then you get to, you know, the wide receivers and Hazleton looks great. Like on the deep ball, he's so tall. He's so lengthy. I think he can just go up, but he's so athletic He's everything that I thought we could be. I, I just think there's a lot of versatile talent on this team that we're seeing in in many different ways. And I don't think Fuente or Brad are, are, are fair, afraid to use it at all. They're just throwing everything out there. Like, they can scheme around all of these players. And if you were a defensive coordinator against this team, how much would you be banging your head against the wall? Because... Everything looks a little bit different. Like they change it. One of the things that I we were texting about was that we're running power to one side and then we're running off the other uh, counter on the other side. I mean, they he they are running schemes that are I think a really intricate uh, offense for really young guys, and it showed up in this William and Mary game. It was almost like just a test bed for them to kind of you know move things around.
0: Yeah, did you find anything that? was negative offensively no other than uh the snaps (laughs) yeah putting it on the (laughs) ground in general I mean McLeese had the fumble uh you had the bad snaps uh the muffed punt I think the ball I mean it was a lot of bad snaps it was five what five bad snaps probably or something along those lines but some some. were actually held on to by the quarterback yeah
1: no, no, but I just meant if you're oversnapping your QB, like there's a problem. Yeah, like on the, yeah. and the and in fact, they took they rotated, you know, our center because they, yeah, know, they took Hoyt out. Let Hoi Chung got play out, center. They put Chung in, there yeah, for that reason because the snaps got so bad. Other than that, in terms of it's hard to evaluate against a team like William and Mary. Yeah. I didn't see anything that was bad i I didn't see the blocking in the fsu game on the outside the perimeter i think was better than it was in this game so maybe they can um but because they were more energetic they were pumped up for that game they're gonna block you know a a ton maybe just making consistency in the perimeter blocking
0: yeah if i'm gonna pick nits (laughs) the, the longest run by a running back was still only 18 yards we we obviously had the 69 yard run by hooker which was electrifying but only 18 yards by the running back and if some of that outside blocking had been better i think we would have been able to break away on on some of those runs why does steven peoples always look like he's about to fall down i feel like in every single run he's like leaning forward so much that it looks like he's about to fall down before he's even like taken his third step i'm not saying he's not a good running back i just i think that if he was able to stay a little bit more balanced he would have better runs
1: because he's usually going up the middle when it's a three-yard, you know. Yeah, yeah he, he needs – I mean, I'll go back. I have no problem looking at it. But usually he has three yards, and he's got to get them up the center. And they throw him in, you know. Well, I mean, McLeese is not taking three yards up the center. I'll tell you, there's not a there's not a running back on this team that I have seen without offensive line opening up a serious gap, right, that being the, you know – People's the only one that can bust through and get those like hard yardage right through the center. So that's probably right. why, because that's all
0: he's ever been responsible for. And yeah, they're not he, asking Wheatley to do it right now. And that's one of the reasons that he his looks head so good, would get ripped off. He, his head would get ripped off. Like. He's getting not the light work, but he's getting different work. They're putting the guys in different positions based on their skill sets, and I understand that. I also thought Grimsley had a nice day, just to mention one last guy. He carried the ball, and he had three receptions. 86 total yards for him. Just missed that touchdown that they reviewed. Uh, Grimsley, out of the slot, big-time part of our offense this year. And you can see that. Just He was the first catch in both games, right? Him <laughs> and Hazleton are going to be, I
1: uh, I feel like my personal opinion is they're going to be big-time for Virginia Tech. Um, they already have been. I mean, just based on their stats, but they're going to continue to develop, and I'm really excited about them. It's, it reminds me back to the, and I know the, they're a lot more senior, but it reminds me back to when we were excited about Ford and, you know, cam and, you know, seeing players come in that you were like, uh well, are they going to be that good? And they
0: ended up being very, very good. And if they were to stay, they still both have three years left at tech. So it's pretty sweet. Let's move over to defense. There were some breakdowns. Tons of backups were in the game when William Mary scored the last 10 points, so I'm not going to freak out about the point total. Nine more tackles for loss in this one. A sack, two forced fumbles. That sack and the two forced fumbles all by Hushon Gaines. I guess it's, it's house Gaines. House, house Gaines. <laughs> Uh Floyd led the team in tackles again with seven, two tackles for loss. Dax Connor and Debose all had five tackles, and Dax Hollifield with one and a half tackles for loss. I really like the way he looks. He always seems to find the right position on the field to make an impact on the play.
1: I agree with that. I thought he was um, in the game against FSU. He didn't really like come up on the radar as much, probably. Um, but I, he's—I mean he's going to be a superstar i think for this program he's going to end up like just owning things and listen he's young he's got he's still got to figure out like the like what we're doing on the defense um, and it's no it's no surprise that some of the senior guys have put up some of the better stats they know where to go they know what's happening but i could not be more excited about this defense quite honestly i i look at it yeah we gave up you know, 14 points, but you know, I, I can't really go that. Sorry. 17 <laughs> points, but Reggie, Reggie Floyd has continued to impress me repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, um, I think that overall, I, I, I could not have, I could have asked for a better defensive por- performance. I wouldn't, I'm not
0: really disappointed at all. I think it looked pretty no. good to come out on five days rest like that. and, basically throw in every single different combination of backups that you possibly could and still beat them and cover the 42 point spread. I mean, I, I'm not going to complain too much. Ladler looked good. Quillin, I thought looked good, had that really cool pass breakup. The only concern I thought was Ricky getting injured. Um, I, obviously I want them to tackle the guys going down the sideline. I, I wish that that didn't happen, but again, it's a bust when you have different configurations back there. I'm not worried. I'm worried about Ricky's ankle.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know how to treat that because I think I tweeted out the time like get him out, just take him off the field. That that was a W game. We knew we were getting the win, but if Ricky comes in cold in game 6, you know, is he going to be as good as he could be? I I don't know that. I and I don't claim to ever know that whether, you know, whether they're keeping them in there just to kind of keep them fresh and keep them updated with, like, what they're doing in terms of scheme. You don't want them just – I mean, you don't want somebody just sitting on the bench for six games just for the hell of it, but you also don't want somebody getting injured. So yeah. it's a tough balance that – He probably um,
0: just thought he could go, and then someone, I think, fell on it. So yeah. what can you do? I mean, that's just bad luck because obviously he tweaked it at FSU. I don't think that was one of the fake injuries, as people want to call them. But – um. He's got a couple of weeks to get all healed up. And they said that it's not concerning. So that makes me feel better. But he is... We need pr- him. He's critical to this yeah. defense by far. Against I mean, the best teams, we need him.
1: Yeah, you can't go in... With Notre Dame coming in, like you cannot not have Ricky on the field. That would be problematic. If we did pull it out, then uh, Bud needs to be president because that would be... <laughs> Incredible for <laughs> him to pull that out and um gains once again. Uh, a credit to him, I it's yeah. just so incredible what he's doing right now and the excitement he's showing on the field. You can see his excitement invigorating a lot of other players as well. He's really getting that defense pumped up, and he he's I mean, he's gone through a lot and you know, he's still putting it out on the field, and it's incredible.
0: He's kicking butt. So is Hill. I that pair of defensive ends could be the best ones to come through Tech in a while if they continue at this trajectory. Again, let's not get too overreactionary because FSU could be very bad. <laughs> we haven't determined that quite yet. Everyone was freaking out when they were losing to Sanford, and they ended up pulling out the Sanford win, but just barely. <laughs> yeah. and I don't. I
1: don't mean to overreact. I just mean we can we can at least applaud players when they're playing well of course and of course. against whatever level of competition there's there's people on this defense that are playing well beyond what we all expected for the collective uh Virginia Tech defense that was you know not really highly praised during going into this and probably not enough by all of us for what Bud's been able to do and what he's been able to coach and what the players been able to ex-
0: execute on Everyone played in this game, man. I feel like the entire roster played. You had to get, you had to get the roster out, like print it offline and and watch the game with it to figure out who was out there. I mean, Clay Dean was in there playing defensive tackle. Uh, every linebacker, Kearney was in there. It was pretty cool. I love to see Connor back there making a ton of plays. That kid is built, man. That's yeah. that's the safety of the future right there. That's exciting.
1: I think the uh, four game role and is going to be. It's gonna be awesome, I think, for for just like college sports. It might be um it might actually make it a little bit safer, quite frankly, for some of the you know, like William Mary comes into town, we play a bunch of redshirt freshmen, and it makes it a little bit more we're gonna win, but it's a little bit more evenly matched. So but then we also get to redshirt those people. So I think the rule which has a lot of controversy, given what's happening in Alabama. What's got, you know? There's a lot of problems that are happening with that, but I think it'll end up shaking up, being a good thing, and I hope we can take advantage of it as well.
0: This quarterback room going forward, we better hope like no one decides to transfer because this could be a special competition in the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if Hooker were to beat out Josh next year. Josh will start every game this season if healthy there's no doubt in my mind that's what will happen but all bets are off when it comes to next spring and summer as to what hooker could potentially do cuz that running ability is something you cannot coach or teach he's got speed man yeah seeing it on a um,
1: watched this film you watched this film seeing it on a live field right against you know college football talent was impressive he is fast. That is incredible speed. Um I think that, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because it, it really doesn't matter right now. It's going to be Josh for the rest of the year and yeah. we're going to have a a lively debate
0: next offseason about what's going to happen. He didn't throw any passes, so tough to evaluate too much there, but that one play was cool. And Willis, on the other hand, did have some nice passes. So and, in, and tight coverage on the one to Hazleton that Hazleton might, made a nice catch on. So we've got options. If Josh were to go down, I, I feel like these backups could help us out quite a bit. And maybe they'll use Hooker in some random play formations later this year. Who knows? Let's take a beer break before we do our picks. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm
1: having the short-named... I always felt closer to IPAs than I did people. This actually might be my the perfect beer for me with that name <laughs> I made right now. Um, it's, a, it's a double dry pot hopped IPA from Evil Twin. We've had Evil Twin on here many times. Uh, it's a canned IPA. It's one of their um, kind of 16 ounces. it's uh, I've bought it twice or three times now very very good. Uh it's a not too overpowering from a hot perspective IPA, double IPA I should say. It's I it's really good. I really like it. It's got Galaxy Citra, Simcoe. It's got uh, it's just it's just a really good balanced double IPA that I think is um excellent. Uh, I would buy this again and again. And of course the name just matches me so
0: perfectly. I am drinking the Shinerbach Oktoberfest. So I'm doing the Oktoberfest thing this month, and it's pretty tasty. Shiner, I always like their beers. Like they I like their holiday beer they put out. Of course, the original Shinerbach is great. It's from Texas. 5.7% alcohol. They describe it as a Marzen, which it is amber in color. Oktoberfest are one of those things, particularly the darker amber ones where The first taste is like a little bitter and you don't love it, but every sip it gets better and better. And so that's kind of how this was for me. But at this point, I'm about halfway through and it's delicious. Scheinerbach Oktoberfest. All right, Robbie, I guess we should just do our picks now because we don't have a game to preview. I'm kind of disappointed. I had all this ECU research laid out. I was going to scare everyone about Holton Allers, their second quarterback. Um, but it wasn't meant to be, I suppose. Suppose two you're, touchdowns not, last you're not
1: allowed. You're not allowed to scare everybody this year. You do it every year. Every year we come to ECU and you, uh, you s your pants and, yeah. uh, then we, you know, come
0: in and we Some years. It's, it's valid. And other years like last year, not so much, but yeah, no reason to get worked up over Reed Herring or Holt Nollers or Anthony Scott. All that's just trash. So let's let's turn the page on that. The spread for 29 and was 29.5 points, which I thought was too much. And it quickly moved down to 28. And now there is no spread, unfortunately. We won't be picking it. But I did add a couple other games, uh, some out of the ACC games to, for us to pick at the end here. But let's start with BC Wake. This game is in Wake. They moved it up two hours to 5.30 on Thursday night. And BC is a five-point favorite. This line also jumped around a bit because I think it started around five, five and a half. It moved up to seven at some point this morning and is now back down to five in favor of BC. BC. do you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go BC too. Even at seven, I liked BC. I just feel like if it's going to be raining and windy.
1: AJ Dillon, who- you just put him <laughs> out there and just let you just say, hey, run. Spike. Spike from uh, Little Giants. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what you need. Just let him destroy everybody.
0: Next game, Duke at Baylor. Initially, we weren't going to pick this game, but we tossed it in due to the cancellations of UNC-UCF, West Virginia-NC State, and, of course, our game. Baylor's seven-point favorites now with the Daniel Jones news. No. Duke. I think that's too many. Yeah, I got to take Duke. I mean, that's yeah, just I'm the, take the obvious, I think. Yeah. The, Baylor, the Baylor program's
1: coming back. I feel like, but it's going to take a lot longer
0: than just this. I mean, they might win, but seven points, that's that's a lot. Uh, Duke is still a good team. They still have great linebackers. They did lose a corner to injury as well, uh, Gilbert. But I still, I still think Duke is going to be able to keep it close, even if they lose. So I'm going to take Duke. Florida State Syracuse in the Dome. How about this one? I don't know what to think about this. Florida State is three-point favorites on the road. Who do you got?
1: I picked the last two first, so you gotta you gotta go first. All right, I, I'm gonna I take
0: Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take Syracuse. I I waffled on this because initially when I saw the line, I think it was two and a half yesterday, and I was like, oh FSU, they finally have a full week to rest. People are underestimating. Then I thought about it more and was looking into Syracuse more, and I remember watching that Syracuse-Western West Michigan game first week. Cuse and Eric Dungy are not to be messed with, <laughs> and I'm going to take them to win that game on the money line. I, I would take that game on the money line. You're getting three points, but uh, I'm going to take Cuse.
1: And, and with no air conditioning, I mean, I, I don't know what else you're going <laughs> to do. So... My my concern about this was probably the same concern you thought about, was the bounce back. Like, FSU is just getting so much heat that they just come out. And that's what I've struggled with. I kind of agree with you. I think Dungy's going to get this done, quite frankly. As much as I want to think that FSU is going to get everything straightened out and they're going to come back and they're going to fire you know away and have that offense... I'm going to go with Cuse.
0: Florida State, they didn't have a full week to rest. We know that. And they're still installing that offense. It could be a completely different team than what we saw the first two weeks. And sometimes when you lose that opening game, as we learned against Boise State and then JMU, it deflates you for that following game. And FSU still was able to pull out the victory against a top 10 FCS team. I know it's FCS and whatever, but we could see a completely different Florida State team. Next game is Georgia Tech against Pitt. This one is also at Pitt, just like last week when they played Penn State. Georgia Tech is four and a half point favorites. It's actually moved up a point. Who do you like in this one, Robbie?
1: Uh, Georgia Tech. So I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question in this game. I think Georgia Tech's going to come out there. and. I know we don't like where they're playing, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Hinesfield and that whole situation but I think it's going to be Georgia Tech that comes out and I think they're definitely going to take this one Pitt I I haven't figured out yet but uh, I'm no. not so I'm not so sure that they're equipped to come out and not that Georgia Tech has looked all that nice but neither of these teams have looked great
0: <laughs> period yeah I mean I thought Pitt would get killed by Penn State and it took a half for Penn State to really get their engine running. But once they did, they didn't look back, and they ran up the score on Pitt, which I loved. I'm going to take Georgia Tech. Taequann Marshall looks to play, and even with the loss of Curvante Benson, who they said today is out for the year, he was all ACC running back last year, they just insert a new guy at Georgia Tech. So I'm really not too worried about that be-back situation. Georgia Tech will win. They will cover. Let's go outside the ACC. LSU at Auburn. LSU is number twelve. Auburn is number seven, and Auburn nine and a half point favorites.
1: This is tough. We destroyed uh, like LSU when we first like thought. It. Everybody did. Nobody before thought the that, season. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thought that LSU was going to be a nothing. And this game, this is such a tough game to pick. I mean, nine and a half
0: points is a lot. It's and- a lot of points in the SEC in a conference game. I'm going to pick LSU. I'm going to go with Coach O. And I know Auburn had that great win against Washington, and but LSU had an equally great win against Miami, maybe even more impressive with the way they took them apart. So I'm going to take LSU, but Auburn is a very, very good football team. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna uh, the the LSU defense looks so impressive in that game, and I'm gonna go Auburn. I think that they're gonna come out and they're gonna find a way to get past that defense. So uh, I I, we might as well just mix it up. I'm gonna go Auburn. I think that they actually have a chance to cover that nine and a half. This could actually be a blowout because LSU has been playing so high above everybody's expectations by far. Um, and they wanted to because everybody was talking you know talking trash, so that's where I'm going.
0: Next game is Boise State at Oklahoma State. This is a fun interconference game. We got seventeen Boise State playing number twenty four Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is the favorite two and a half points is the line. I'm gonna take Boise. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State. Boise's look good, really, really good. They've played well the first uh, couple weeks. They have. But, they have played well.
0: Um, I'll go they with got the ripping shoot in at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I'll go with shoot him.
0: You know, just that 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 shoot him off. Gundy, figure- you're going with Gundy. Yeah. I, and I and I and I get the that. mullet. He's a great coach. <laughs> the mullet. They did lose Mason Rudolph and James Washington, but. They just seem to put new pieces in that offense and it. And it just goes down the field. So we'll see, but I'm going to take Boise next game. USC at Texas, USC's number 22. Texas is unranked, but Texas is three and a half point favorites. Everyone knows that Texas lost to Maryland in week one. Um, the Tom Herman era is all of a sudden in question. Everyone thought he was without a doubt the best hire that year. I think multiple tech fans wanted us to hire him, including myself. and let me just say I'm glad we got Fuente. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good answer. <laughs> I think that's the best answer. <laughs> I want to take Texas I I, I wait what? all that well, hold on what what? You're taking Texas? Yeah. I'm taking Texas minus three and a half. Call I know I know it goes against everything that would make sense, but you know why? And I've said this to you before, and it doesn't always hold up. But like, why is Texas favored? I don't have any idea why. So I'm just gonna take them because it doesn't make sense.
1: All right, well then I'll take Texas as well. I guess I I, I don't have, I can't <laughs> argue against that. I mean that's that's incredible. What's the spread again? Three and a half. It's three and a half. Texas is favored. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. We're both gonna sit on the Texas line, okay? Sweet. I can't. I've never taken Texas, but I guess it's the first time because they haven't been maybe relevant. that defense. They haven't been up. relevant for the past
0: eight years. I think they're gonna figure some things out. I, I beyond just the joke of it. I do think Texas will figure some things out, and USC hasn't looked that good either. Stanford was trying to give them points last week, and they still beat them really well. So I, I'm gonna go with Texas.
1: This is the biggest game that. Sh- This is the biggest game that should not be a game because they are trash. Like, both of the two biggest programs, they're two of the biggest eight programs in the country, and they can't put together a good game. Like, hey, this is going to be competitive. Like, the fact that game day is not going there for this, do you know what that says to these programs?
0: Yeah, yeah. Game day, I think, is going to be at our final game, which is Ohio State-TCU, correct?
1: That's correct, and it's going to go to TCU, but it'll be game day for the game, is my understanding. Yeah,
0: because the game is in Arlington at the Cowboys Stadium, Uh, and it's number four Ohio State and number 15 TCU. Ohio State is 13-point favorites. That's a little bit higher than I would have expected, considering these are two top 15 teams, and... Gary Patterson always puts a quality product out in the field. So 13 seems like disrespect for our boy, Gary. I- I'm going to take TCU. I, I won't. I no. I can't.
1: Um, OSU looks
0: real good. <laughs> <laughs> they do look good. Are they in minus anything territory? Like you just take Ohio state minus anything.
1: Uh, they're getting close. And yeah, I like I my wife. Everybody knows us. My wife's so an Ohio State fan. I love hating on them. Everything. It looks real good. Um, so if I was betting, like, and that's always the question, is like, it's you versus me versus you. Like when I'm betting this weekend, I'm betting Ohio State's gonna probably cover by about like 25 at least. Um, no joke. Like I think they're gonna, and that's no disrespect to TCU because I think they have a great
0: program. But Ohio
1: State looks that good, so I gotta go Ohio State. Sorry.
0: Um. um. There will be no Urban Meyer on the sideline. Uh, this is his last game of his suspension, so that swings in TCU's favor just a smidgen. And the game is very close to their, you know, their regular campus, uh, as it's in Arlington. Even though it's a quote unquote neutral site, it's in Texas, and they're Texas Christian. So. That's a little bit of an advantage for them too. I just I'm surprised the lines that much. I would have expected maybe nine and a half to Ohio State, but you are right. They are scoring a ton of points. So
1: no, it's not even how they're scoring. It's that uh, the the efficient way that they're scoring. It's not like oh, it's third down. They're like hey, it's fourth. It's first down. We're just going to throw a forty-five yard bomb and just like have it going. It's listen. It frustrates me. I don't like it. And I have to deal with the headache of it. It looks good for Ohio State. That's why they're still number four in the playoff in anybody's rankings. Uh, they have not moved an inch, and they don't even have their coach
0: there. So, um, And that's it's, – it's annoying. <laughs> so UVA is going to play their game in Nashville, I guess, huh? They're playing Ohio, and somehow they worked it out to play at Vanderbilt Stadium. That's pretty weird.
1: I We're wish, not going to pick that game.
0: I wish we did that. I know. I know, right? Yeah. Anyway, well, that's that's going to do it for picks. I'm very disappointed there's no VT football this weekend. I understand the reasoning, but I am very disappointed, as I love to watch our beloved Hokies. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Instagram, also 2DVT. If you want to email us anything, it's 2DVT at gmail.com. Please rate, subscribe to the podcast we've gotten even more ratings we appreciate everyone who gives us a rating is there anything else i'm missing robbie
1: no i don't think so other than i'm so sad i don't get to watch (laughs) virginia tech this weekend i was traveling for the game and so excited and yeah i'm just gonna sit around and not do anything of the
0: acc games that are there not lsu auburn which acc game makes you the most excited because the the Three ones I would particularly think you have interest in, which were our game, UNC, UCF, and WVU, NC State, are all not happening. So which I, game gets you going?
1: I think the most relevant is probably GT Pit because it has the most influence on us as a program. So I want to see how they look. I want to see because it, that like. Pitt's not that far off from the way that we run our offense. Granted, we run it a different way, and then so you can kind of get a hindsight on, or a, a foresight into what we're going to do um, and then see what GT is running right now. So I would say Georgia Tech Pitt is probably the most relevant, but I also am thinking about it in terms of analysis and like what I'm and thinking. an
0: entertainment value that has like zero entertainment
1: value. <laughs> I'm not going for entertainment entertainment value. Oh, you're going to watch the Duke
0: <laughs> you know, Baylor game. There could be a lot of points in that game.
1: I, I'm not going for... I, you said what's most important to me. For me, oh, I yeah, want I want to get a heads up on what it's going to look like for us down the road. We play both I those think- teams.
0: We have Georgia Tech. We have Pitt. I want to see what BC Wake is like. I know we're not playing Wake, but we do play BC. And If BC goes out there and crushes them, that'll make me a little bit nervous. I'm already a little bit nervous. It'll make me a little bit more nervous because BC's looked good. They have a couple more tough games before Miami. I think they have uh, seven games because people are predicting them to go 7-0 and now because the schedule is kind of favorable. I think they have to go to Purdue maybe, but that doesn't look tough anymore. No, just lost they're going to
1: smoke Michigan. Purdue. But let's not like over-exaggerate about BC as well. <laughs> like They played Holy Cross. They haven't pl- played Holy Cross in, like, what, 70 years or so there was like a long period of time that those teams didn't play each other. So we'll see AJ Dillon. We know is the real deal. We can all agree on that. I just don't know what the whole offense is going to end up looking like. And we know that yeah. the defense is going to be stingy. I mean, they're not going to give up a lot. So, um, but I do not know what, what they look like against yeah, you know, more serious competition. I guess is the best way to put it.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it. Until next week, when we're previewing ODU. Go Hokies!